lights set up at least. Bad podcast f- sitting here, slouching down. <clears throat> Get your podcast posture on. Got the pod- podcast posture. Here we go. This episode of Arcaspeak is brought to you by Arcat. Planning architecture can be difficult, encompassing multiple projects and involving several team members. Keeping everyone's duties and data in order can be difficult, and an email thread won't cut it. That's why Arcat.com developed Charette, a free online tool that will help you organize and collaborate. Assign team members to tasks, share ideas. You can even use Arcat's free library of product information to attach relevant products or build an outline specification. See if Charette is the right tool for you at Arcat.com. That is A-R-C-A-T dot com. It won't cost you a penny. Welcome to Arcaspeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 139 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And Cormac, you've been watching some Netflix lately, I hear. I've been drinking some butter. (laughs) (laughs) Just get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. There it is. It's out there. We're not going to tell you what it means. So, about Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Yeah, they've they've got one of those things. (laughs) What... What are you not watching on Netflix? Uh, actually, so it was actually more prompting from my son who want, who's who been wanting to watch it, but wanting to watch it with me. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And I, I've i seen it, and I keep rolling over it and watching the trailers and stuff, but I just haven't, haven't watched it. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because we live it all the time that we don't really want to watch the world's most extraordinary homes. Yeah. <laughs> but I know but, it's uh, right. You, you kind of like you hover over it. You look at that and you're like, I just, I I just can't do right. it right now. <laughs> it's just too yeah. much like work, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's pretty inspiring, but you got to get it, into it. it. You got to get into it to, to feel it. Well, but, but so, that threshold is, is a, is a stiff threshold to get over after you've been doing it all day. Yeah. So, so it's four episodes um, of different, like the mountain. Yeah, the kind of a the, theme. The coastline, you know, kind <clears> of <throat> things. And it's four houses per episode. And and they, you know, spend time there and, and really kind of like dive into it a little bit. And it's a it's a really interesting show. And, and, and I'm kind of glad that he, you know, kind of pushed me to watch it. And, you know, when he asked, you know, hey, do you want to watch it with me? I'm like, sure. This was after our big, long permit submission push. You know, maybe that was why I was reluctant to watch it because it's like I've seen enough buildings. I don't want to see any more. Yeah. But when we finally did it, there was one. Um, I can't. I can't remember what the episode was called. It was basically one where the houses was, were built in. You know, like the forest. Yeah, I think um, it's just forest, trees. right? Because the one that yeah, I saw was okay. mountain forest. Yes, and there is one comment by one of the architects that kind of struck me, and I'm like, hmm. I'm wondering how many people do or don't do this. And, and he said, you know, basically I, I kind of texted you guys, you know, it's like looking back, you know, and, and what, what the thing was is that this architect uh, was talking about 
assuming they're interviewing him at the house and it was the first time apparently that he's been back to the house he's like i i generally don't like to go back to my houses once they're completed i just like to be done with them and you know they're behind me and i know that feeling i <laughs> i don't yeah i don't know if i'd live by that i mean in fact i've i've visited many of my old projects numerous times they don't so throw when, rotten tomatoes at you well, what was what was interesting about it was is that you know when he when the guy when the architect said it in the episode, uh, I kind of cringed a little bit. I'm like, what? And, and so my son, you know, had to ask, and he's like, well, you know, he's like, he knows because he's been he's been in the car many a times when we've gone there, and he's like, well, you know, well, I know that you go and visit him. He's like, well, why do you visit him? And and you know, he doesn't. I was like, well, I. I want to see how they're being used. I want to see how they're aging. I want to see whether or not what I've done can stand the test of time or if it was some fad of the second or, you know, if it was just something that at the time I thought was right, but probably wasn't or, you know, thought something was right and it was. So I always want to go back and see how it's being used, even if, I've never say, oh, you know, I was the one who designed this or anything like that. I want to generally just see how people are interacting with places that we make. And so that's why I thought it was kind of unusual that he was saying that he doesn't like to go back to his buildings to see them in play. And, and maybe he's just residential and maybe, you know, it's just, okay, well, you know, I built it for that person and now it's theirs and let them the memories or whatever. But I like to see what it's all about later. Hmm. Um, I always plan on at least one year afterwards. You know, I need a little bit of time need to, you know, it's like, all right, I've dealt with you for five years now go away and then come back. So what do you guys do? I mean, do you guys go and visit your buildings? I mean, what do you, if you do, you know, why? And if you don't, why? I, I'm, trying to think if I go, I don't purposely really go back to the buildings that I've worked on. And I guess it just is more of a, the area in which we practice is pretty spread out. Uh, I, it's not like I haven't gone back to any, but it's not like we actually go out attempting to do that either. So there are some projects that are nearby. Like, uh, you guys have seen that, that one that I did down in Pomona, the glass house, the, that bar with the big metal shroud on the front of it. Um, that I've been to several times, but that is probably the most frequented project that I've gone back to. And that has probably more to do with just the fact that it's a bar and it's probably the <laughs> the coolest bar around. Um, it's, I don't go there all the time or anything, but if it's, I do say so myself, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's way different. And so that's kind of hurt yourself, to... patting yourself on the back there. <laughs> It's, it's Don't just, <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those things that just is, it's just so different and be, and it, it's all because of the the client that we were able to do anything like that. So it's not like, it's not like we, it's not our bar, you know, it's his, but it's, um, it's just one of those places that is very different and it gets some compliments and it's, it's because it's so different, but there's mo a lot of other places like that are projects that I've done that I, I've gone back to maybe once or twice and. Usually it's just to show the family, I think, just to well, say we did this and it's kind of cool. And um, it, it, it is it, to me like my buildings aren't my kids. You know, they're 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 a thing that I do and and I am very proud of them. But they're also not something it, it's kind of like how I view um, 
a lot of things that I do, it's like once I've done it, I've, I'm going to do it better the next time. And so to me, there's a little bit of um, like I get, you know, moving on um, because I'm going to that last project that I did is, is never going to measure up to the next one that I'm going to do kind of a thing. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I, I guess, it, I, I guess hearing you say that it surprises me more because we do similar product types when you were doing K through 12 and I was doing K through 12. The reason I like to go back is because there's a lot of, program that's going to be the same as we go from project to project and even though we may arrange it a little bit differently or try to advance like the thinking behind particular programs and stuff I always want to kind of see how they're working to make sure I don't make that mistake again or or yeah okay yeah this putting the um, specials you know science and art and all that other stuff around a courtyard that opens out into the courtyard and so you know, you can extend the learning space from an interior classroom to an exterior classroom and things like that was the right thinking or all these different test things that I've done with certain project types. I want to see whether or not they hold up or if they're the right thinking and stuff like that. So I can either replicate it or or maybe not even replicating is a good word, but just being able to test to see if it works, you know? And I just don't think that I could actually do that. I don't think that I could, without a seriously involved interview with the users again. Oh, I, I do that too. Yeah. I, I talk to, you know, the good thing about being married to a school teacher and doing schools as a project type is being able to talk to them about how they use the space and whether or not the decisions that I made for their, for what they do on a daily basis in it works for them. Does making like a little wet area off to the side inside your classroom make sense? Or do you want things more integrated within the overall space or, you know, just all, and I ask functional type stuff. stuff. yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you teach and, does the way that I think about how you teach and how I've presented this classroom, does that work? I mean, does that make sense for like the 21st century classroom and things like that? You know, how does it work with the way that you're using the curriculum? Or do you think that this is flexible for different curriculum changes and things like that? You know, yeah. just all the, I mean, I, I, I ask a lot of questions and, and I asked a lot of questions during the design process. I ask it post design and during construction and, in, in all sorts of things. But, you know, I, I do like to go back and figure out whether or not I'm doing it right. You know, both the older teachers who've been doing it for a long time and younger teachers who are going to be doing it for a long time and just make sure that it's something that's flexible enough to really kind of, and I, and I guess maybe it is just this particular like project type, you know, because if I'm doing something like what we're doing now with, I've done a chemistry building. Now I'm doing a school of nursing type building. And these are very specific project types that have some flexibility in them, but also have a very specialized use. But, you know, so I guess I, I, (laughs) I guess I've done such, I've done such a wide range of projects. It's really difficult, I think, to, and, and because clients are so different, there are some things that will apply from one project to another, but there are so many things that don't. I, I think that it's a great opportunity if you have it to go back and do that. I don't, I, I don't feel like I really have that too often. So I think that 
it's an interesting thing to think about, and I definitely think there's value in it. It's just not something that I have the opportunity to do very much. I don't, what about you, Neil? Yeah. So for the most part, I was sitting here thinking, no, I, I, I really don't do it, actually. Most of the residential projects that I've worked on over my career are often, as you say, Evan, not necessarily nearby. So unless I make a, a, a grand effort, yeah. usually we'll see the bottles, say they open, we'll go walk those. And so we, we do have an opportunity to see that. And it's always interesting to see how the interior designers, because a lot of the, I should say most of the projects that I've worked on over the years, when they've been in the residential world of you know production residential or multifamily residential, they have interior designers. They come in and they dress up the whole uh, models, and then they you know they sell those. And so we'll often go and and walk those, and it's a very interesting to see how the interior designers decorate the the rooms, right? The bedrooms, the mm-hmm. bathrooms, the types of tile they pick out. Because for the most part, we're just setting up the spaces and the exteriors uh, and dealing with all the code issues and all that stuff and accessibility for multifamily. But it, it's very interesting to see that it doesn't really change the function of the spaces, which we're looking at. But it's also very interesting to walk through these models and see places where you're like, oh, hmm, you know what? This this wall should have been another inch and a half longer because we've got a, a counter that's crashing into mm. a trim piece or something like that. So there's a lot of things I think you can learn or we learn when we do go and walk, say, our sure. models. Uh, and uh, many developers, of course, have different packages or different things that they do. So one developer might use one size trim and another developer is going to use a different size trim, all depending on the trim level packages and all that. So it's not always a a guarantee. And in fact, on a recent model walk for a project that was bought by another developer that we had originally developed for someone else, it was very interesting going through the framework because they were making us make a lot of changes that were that developer specific. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, how it felt, it almost kind of felt like we didn't do a very good job because they were making us make a lot of changes, but they were specific to that developer and not necessarily who we had designed it for originally and, and produced mm-hmm. the drawings for. So that was, that's interesting, but you know, as I also looked at or was thinking about like my own projects that I did when I was on my own, and there's a few in town, you know, that I may drive by and I'll see them just because they're along a road that, mm-hmm. you know, I pass by. But for the most part, because they're private residences, I may see them, you know, when they're first done or something like that. And, and then, you know, you know unless... I'm really kind of brought back for some other reason or just visiting for something. I mean, one project I did, the family literally moved out. Uh, The husband changed, you know, got a job offer in Southern California. So they moved. And so I think it's on the third family after them already is, is living in this house. So beyond what I originally did, I, I have no idea how that's yeah, be kind I'd of like... strange to walk up to that door and knock, knock, knock. Yeah. Hey, I'm the architect who did this remodel edition that's in your house here. I'd like to see how it's looking now. <laughs> yeah, I would like to go back to my previous house where I did 
pretty serious makeover to it and just see how it's being used. I think that would be interesting just because it was something I did with my own hands. Right. And that's not, it wasn't for a client. It was for me. And so seeing just how differently they would live in something that I had built pretty specifically for my family, it would be interesting to see. It would probably be kind of horrific to see it. (laughs) Who knows? Right. (laughs) I, I would say that I, since I live in a house that I designed that you're constantly reminded of anything that didn't go right during the process or something that you didn't anticipate and that you have to, you know, things that may not have worked out the way you wanted. And, but at the same time, you're also constantly reminded of all the things you actually did right, Mm. because there are things that are just, they're just right. And, and they just, they work. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting sort of education experience. So, yeah, it, it's interesting to, to think about. So I, and I, and I would also just to wrap this topic up, recommend that uh, series because I watched, like I said, I watched the mountain houses episode and I thought it was fantastic. I mean, the, the architecture is very high end and it, it is great that they talk to the owners and the architects for the most part for every house. It's not always the case, yeah. but they do get some really good access. Usually they end the two hosts end up staying there um, and, and there's nobody there. So they get to really talk about and t- they get to walk around and talk candidly about how the house makes them feel. And mm-hmm. they get to kind of pontificate on what the architect or the owner or whoever was thinking. And then they interview, they bring in the architect or uh, the owner or both. And, and it, it is a very good show. So I would recommend yeah. everybody check it out. And it's really interesting because sometimes they are very candid and, one is a developer, you know, she's an actress, but mm-hmm. she's also a developer. And and very outspoken, right? And very outspoken. In and, a good and, way. And she, yeah. and, and she totally knows her stuff about architecture. Um, and then there's the architect, who is pretty no-holds-bar yeah. on, on his opinion. And, and, it, and it's good to kind of see them kind of banter off of each other on on what their thoughts are and stuff like that. And there's been a few where it's it's just kind of interesting their takes on it. You know, one I, I just recently watched. You know, for me, I knew it was there because the image. You know, like if you look at one of the advertisements for the show, it's used as like the cover shot, mm. and it's uh, Brian McKay Lyons to Hall's house. Mm. Um, and if you don't know, yeah, cool. Uh, maybe we'll put a link on there in, in the show notes, but. I'm enamored with uh, Brian McKay Lyons' work. Um, you know, he's a Nova Scotia architect that just, I've, I've met him before. He was a visiting professor at Auburn. Love his work. And uh, it was kind of interesting because this, this architect, he, he's a big fan of, of Brian McKay Lyons' work as well. And he was just, he was he was nervous about going to see this this work because... He thought he might li- might not like it. He thought he might not like it. He's like, you, you know, you never go and visit your heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to change your opinion. And, and I don't know if he was blown away by it. He, I mean, he, lo- he loved it, but he also seemed a little underwhelmed by it as well. And it was funny as my, my son kept look, you know, throughout the whole series of, he keeps, he's watching me watch the show mm-hmm. with reactions like, mm. you like, <laughs> really? You know, and all these different like reactions to it they'll say something and he'll look at me. He's like, well, what do you think? 
and I'll, I'll pause it and we'll talk about it for a little while and, and all this other stuff. And then we kind of get back to the show and, and everything else, which is, it, it was kind of fun to just do that with him, but it was just, it was interesting because, um, you know, he's, he's really kind of interested in what I think about architecture. Cause I mean, you know, no one really, they just say, you know, Hey, how's your day? And then you start going into your day and they're like, all right, I'm yeah. going to go yeah. to my room. Now. <laughs> you know? I didn't it's really mean like, it, dad. Yeah. It's like, he really didn't want to hear about your day. He's just like, damn contractor was blah, 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 or, or whatever. This time it was, it's interesting. Cause he was like really honestly interested in it, it so much that, uh, you know, cause you know, he's 17, he's a junior in high school and you know, we're going to be you know, starting the whole adventure into colleges and stuff like that. And I kind of looked at him, I'm like, because I hadn't really seen this level of interest in architecture in him before. I was like, uh oh. I was like, do you think that, you know, you'd be interested no. in, in pursuing architecture? <laughs> no. He's like, no. So he looks at me, he's like, uh, no. Yay! <laughs> I was just, you raised your kid right. <laughs> he's he's he the writer. He's, he's the writer. He's the historian. Um, Honestly, if if he ever actually chose to go into architecture, I think he'd be really good at it because he's the one who flipped through, you know, like pre-show we were talking about our phones and like how how many like photos we had on our phones and stuff like that. And if you look at his photos on his phone, I mean, he's got a really good eye for photography. Yeah, I'm still and, waiting you know, for mine seeing, to tell me. And seeing like certain moments and stuff like that. And he captures the moments, whether it's, you know, through shadow or shade or shape or whatever. And so he's got a really good eye, and 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 if he ever actually chose that, it would be great. Uh, but you know, I I don't think he's got that kind of interest in it. I did tell him I was like I, I leaned over to him. I'm like, just remember though, you don't really have to use math and architecture, not the way that you're <laughs> using. It. Like, he's he's the he's he's in calculus with applications right now, and it's the bane of his existence. And he's for doing good f- reason. N- He's doing phenomenal in every class except for that one. He gets just like anxiety over, oh, I, you know, I know that class. Yeah, that was and, terrible. And I was just like, dude, I'm right there with you. And and I was a full grown adult when I was taking it because I never I never took calculus when I was in high school. I did, yeah, and I it sounds of like two. a very similar story for me. Oh, it was terrible. So no, but it, it's it's since we're wrapping up this this one. I'd really like to to hear from the listeners out there. It's just like, what what do you guys do? I mean, how do you guys visit your projects or do you visit your projects and why do you and why don't you? Because like I said, you know, for me, it's, it purely is like a learning experience on whether or not I'm doing something right or if I'm doing it wrong or if I'm getting it or not getting it kind of thing. And so, I mean, that that's why I, my own little personal architectural cutting. <laughs> You can Jeez. you can retreat to your quiet place, Cormac, oh, man. and reflect on that. Okay. Jeez, I had to go there. I, to go I did. There. I'm sorry. No, no I'm not. I'm not. No. All right. So moving on, uh, we got an email from Derek Ronding, who is a student in architecture studying at University of Minnesota, and somehow our podcast has helped to keep him from the boredom through several projects and all nighters. So. All right, <laughs> I'd like to hear that. So I don't, I can't. Un- I guess that means we don't put people to awake. sleep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I don't know how. How is at, in the middle of the night listening to us? 
how is he triple not speed just passed out drooling yeah. all right so on his desk i have oh, an oh, assignment I mean, here i understand i have an assignment for those students that are listening to us i we you need to tweet us at the hours that you're listening to us right now what <laughs> hour are you listening to this show <laughs> i want to i want to hear about that all right anyway all right so he asks uh so he he's taken a handful of furniture design and theory courses that have sparked his interest and was curious to hear us discuss what the relationship of furniture and architecture. So how does a firm think about furnishing the spaces that they create? Do you ever specifically design the furniture for a building or project that you're working on? So Neil, you said you had a thought on this. So why don't you run? Yeah. So since most of the work I do is all residential, we don't actually, we're not lucky enough or maybe not. I, I, I should take that back. We probably, in some of our larger customs, we do occasionally large custom homes and and things of that nature. And I, I bet you we've designed some furniture as a firm somewhere, or some of the architects I work for probably have done that. In fact, I know some of them do, just either as a side hobby and things. Some some people sculpt and paint and other things. So I know furniture is a part of what some people in our office do, but not generally for our clients. But one of my thoughts was that when we are doing these residential um, houses or units in multifamily, furniture is critical. I mean, yeah, you have to put it in there because if it doesn't work, put it in there. Exactly. (laughs) In fact, just today, as we're recording this, one of my clients is actually asking us to go back and add in their optional light packages to show. Uh, that on the plans and we're going to, we're going to print up the unit plans. This is a multifamily building. So we're going to print up the unit plans to use some meeting with them uh, later this week to kind of go over what the lighting package they want to show. And one of my first comments was let's, is the furniture still in those CAD files? Let's turn it back on because we turn it off for the construction drawings because the city doesn't care about that. And you've got notes and everything all over the plan. So you can, you know, can't have that in there but it's like i want it turned back on so we can see it and use it as a reference because it's really important when you're laying out a, a bedroom or a, a living room it's like where is that couch gonna go where is that coffee table where's the tv this the the end chair or the you know the dresser because just when you're laying out a room and you've got a window and especially when we get into the multifamily stuff, there's a lot of things. Much of the design is driven from the exterior as well as the plan. You can't there, but it's really exterior driven. And so you have to be very careful. Okay, well, here's our window. Well, you can't, you don't want to have the bed necessarily underneath the window. So, okay, where's the bed wall? Where's that going to go? That dictates the lighting and how you do all the plugs in the room and, and uh, many factors all revolves around the furniture. Yeah. And and so actually where, where that really comes down is when we do these frame walks with all, uh, many people with these different developers that come in, the division presidents and the people that have never actually seen these plans or spend a lot of time with them. And that is like the first thing is, okay, where's the bed wall? How does this room feel? Is it Does it furnish right? Or how does this living room, where's the dining room table? Because where's the people lights going to go above the dining room here. table, yeah. right? Yeah, people live there. And so <laughs> these are all things that are, it's a 
constant conversation about the furniture when we're in a framed building that has nothing in it, um, or just when we're looking at the plan. When it's potentially when too late. <laughs> What's that? When it's potentially yeah, when too it's, late. Yeah, when it's a little too late at that point. Well, I'll tell you what, that's where we learn maybe where we, we, we might have missed something. Or that's where something the, like VR is such yeah. a cool tool now uh, because you yeah. you put all that. We do that with all of our classroom and lecture rooms and whatever rooms. Um, you put all the furniture in it and you walk around that room before it's built with all that furniture in it. And a lot of the models now we're, we're using Unreal or we're using you know some tool that allows us to actually move it around in the, the virtual model. So mm-hmm. we can we can actually at a push of a button see different furniture layouts that we've pre-programmed into it. So like a classroom, you could have it in a lecture setup or you could have it in a group setup. So, you know, depending if they're doing active learning or whatever. And it's so helpful to actually see the desks fit into the space. Is there enough space in the aisleways? Like, you know, all this in the CAD file already or the Revit file, like you can measure those distances and stuff, but how does it feel? Like you were saying, Neil, it really does come down to how does it feel when you're in the space? And a lot of times when we're even in VR, uh, we do this with clients a lot because it just kind of blows their mind. But but we'll sneak up behind them with a chair and they'll get because we'll we'll basically position them in a room so that they're right where a chair is because, you know, you can walk right through geometry in VR. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll say, OK, now sit down and, and you'll see the, these people just get like really tense. Right. What, what do you mean mm-hmm. sit down? <laughs> and they'll they'll slowly sit down and they'll put their hands down. They'll feel the chair there and they'll sit in it. And but they're in a virtual model, right? So they're mm-hmm. they're in a normal office chair in the real world, but they're in a lecture room in the virtual model. And it blows their mind when that happens. It it is wow. a it's crazy. That's clever. And, uh, and but they really get a feel for what it's like to sit there in that virtual space as a student. And and it is really effective um it's and so i mean when 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 derek's asking you know do we put do we ever think about furnishings i mean this is a huge differentiator between what real architects do and what students who are learning architecture do right because you'll you'll see these floor plans as an architect now that students pin up on the wall and you can almost immediately tell that that space will never work right because <laughs> yeah. it's got angled walls doing this and that and the other and and the the windows in the wrong spot and the, you know there's you know there's all kinds of th- tip offs right that but that that to me is really one of the things that as neil very said very well i mean there's so many things that play off the furniture where are the plugs in the room do they even make sense to where your lamps are going to be Versus where your couch right. is, like because so you don't want to be stringing everything extension cords everywhere, like I do in my old house, because it was never designed that way. It was probably <laughs> just built by a contractor, and you just put the plugs twelve feet apart, like that's how you did it in the old days, right? So now it's much different. Like yeah, it's very one per wall. It's very yeah, it's very purposeful now. <laughs> like maybe you, you wouldn't believe how many light switches I have in my in my house that do absolutely nothing. Uh, so it, it it's that kind of thing where where it it really does matter. So it's a cool question to be asked, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about just the set that I'm putting together. And, you know, we have, you know, we've got the floor plan. And then we've got furniture plans. Um, And the furniture plans that may be FF&E, you know, not in our contract, but it's things that, you know, we go through a pretty exhaustive um, selection with a lot of our clients over 
you know, the fabrics and the type of furniture and all this other stuff. So we may not necessarily be the one yeah. buying it. You'll go to a showroom, right? You'll one. take them to a showroom yeah. and they'll get to sit in five different desks and try out 30 yeah. different chairs. And, and we, we do that kind of thing all the time so that they, they get a real feel for what it's going to be like. And funny enough, one of the things that we're using our furniture plan for, because, you know, a lot of times, um, especially if it's a, a FF&E type, you know, situation where it's just dashed in of like, you know, here's how the room would lay out, you know, in the typical situation, whether it's a tiered classroom or, you know, a learning, you know, a learning lab or something like that. But because, in a lot, like I said earlier uh, in, in the last topic, you know, we're doing such specific work for specific type of user groups that part of this building is going to be used for the doctorate program of physical therapy and, you know, orthopedic surgery. So they've got certain things that they're going to be bringing in, ta- exam tables and stuff like that. So when they lay out, we're now using them. So, okay, well, you know, this needs power, this needs data, this needs all of that other stuff. So we're, you know, we've got tons of floor boxes. I can't extra stress the word tons. Um, Metric. Because we got a lot of them. And, uh, you know, so like we've got a lot of floor boxes because, you know, we got a lot of Florida, um, you know, Florida ceiling glass walls and things like that. Obviously, you're not going to be putting a plug there. But if you're expecting students to be kind of gathering around this glass wall in a common space, well, you know, where are they going to plug in their laptops, you know, and do their work and all that other stuff? Well, you need to do lay all that stuff out. And you kind of need to think about how are these spaces going to be used? Okay, well. Is this fixed furniture? Is mm-hmm. it loose furniture? If this furniture is going to be moved around, what's other options for them to be able to, you know, um, lay it all out? And so you got to think about all of those things. Well, one of my favorite and, things. Oh, sorry. Go ahead and finish. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and, you know, and then we've got like our casework plans, you know, so we've got, yeah. you know, millwork that we're actually designing ourselves. We may not go through the extreme um, case like Frank Lloyd Wright, where he designs. Every <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk about because, of, like, yeah. that is one of my favorite things about those houses, the like case study houses, Frank Lloyd Wright houses, John Lautner, Ru- yeah. Rudolf Schindler. When you go into those spaces where there's all those built-ins, it's so cool. It's it's one of those right. things that just makes me feel like, man, they just cared about so much. They cared about everything, and and a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, they're just dictating how I have to live. But like that's it, the architecture yeah, had a I mean, purpose. It wasn't just a container, right? It was, it was. It's why you hired them? Yeah, and and I think like Cormac, you probably you were at Falling Water a lot, probably how long ago? You know, not too long ago, and not too long, and just amazing, right? Like Frank Lloyd Wright was was a, a master of this kind. Well, of thing. but I mean, you know, in in the the thing about like that was is he designed the furniture so if you're laying in your bed and you've got furniture between you and the window, that that furniture is not going to be so tall that it's going to impede your view as you're laying in bed wanting to look out into the landscape. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you're know, you thinking about all of these different moves. It's like, well, what if I sleep on my back? Or what if I roll over to my side? You know, and it is as weird as that sounds. I mean, he really thought about how people live, but how you can kind of frame yourself in, in the natural landscape or just setting the stage of like, you know, you've got these two built-ins. Well, these two built-ins, as cool as they are, lined with books and stuff, also frame a view that's through the house and beyond out the window and stuff like that. And it just, 
uh, he, they they took it to the extreme. Yeah, one of the things it I love the, about the the Lautner the Sheets Goldstein house is is that you know you guys have seen it in the Big Lebowski. It's it's one of those yeah. homes where like the furniture is the home. I mean it's it's a it's so cool to see how. And again, you're right. It's all about the views and and it's all about like the way like they did to some extent dictate how people lived. I mean, Frank Lloyd Wright is infamous for. You know, like in the Barnstill yeah. house down in L.A. in Hollywood where he tilted the walls so she couldn't hang her gaudy artwork because he didn't like it. He didn't agree with it. <laughs> so he didn't allow her to <laughs> – he, he didn't make it easy. Let's just say that. Uh, I mean, but but that was part of what he did, right? Like when you hired him, you knew that that's what you got with it. Like it was one of those – it was just part of the home. That and Well, I mean – Neutra did the same thing. Schindler did yeah. the same thing. You know, not everywhere, well, like the, but in the in some key spaces. Well, like the Lautner House, you know, I mean, one of the great things about that it was, you know, like the 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 social spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually it's, know, it's, in, in, it, it's it was about having conversations with other people, right? Exactly. Creating environments about, for that. But then, how do you frame, you know, not just the view of that particular action, but also how do you frame? what else, what's going on around you and have that as part of the conversation and not really, oh, look, we're going to have a TV up on this wall and we're going to have a bunch of chairs facing towards that. And yeah. we can either turn it on and, and watch TV or turn turn it off and talk to each other. You know, they really thought about like the, the activity. Well, and then think about um, the, the Eameses, right, who designed furniture for everybody. I mean, yes. so such a, you know, an inside out kind of, on this topic, right? It, it instead of being specific for the the place, but just being good design for everybody. That that is, I love working at that scale. I mean, this is a great question on a number of levels for me because, like, I before I went during my hiatus from architecture between a couple firms, I went and worked at an interior design and retail design shop where we did everything from design to manufacturing and. We would build the stuff that we designed. We had a welding shop. We had a wood shop and got down to the nuts and bolts of every design that we did. And so you really had to understand how to put things together. And that is a, this is a great scale to, to understand how to do that because it's not like the 120,000 square foot building. It's, it's this thing that fits in the back of your car. And, and to me, there is something really special about crafting something of that size that is has a utility to it and you can keep it forever right you can move it from place to place and you can you get to live with that thing whatever it is if it's a table or a chair or whatever um i think that there's something really special about working at that kind of scale even as architects right not just as industrial designers or environmental designers but actually working at that scale as architects and having that stuff augment or inform the way that we think about space and the way space is used. Um, so there's there's a lot going on there. Well, I mean, I, I, I worked at the wood shop at Auburn, a student employee there, and one of the things that I got to do is, one, take all of the wood that, you know, people who are graduating and left behind and build my own furniture with. Thanks for all those Purple Heart <laughs> pieces of furniture that I got to build. But... You know, it was also like helping people build things, whether it's models or furniture or things like that. But you get to kind of like understand, you know, when you're sketching it out and stuff, I always looked at it as that's kind of like the scale model of understanding how things go together that you can kind of extrapolate to buildings. 
you know, because when you're responsible, you know, when you're responsible for both the design and the construction of just maybe a table or a chair or a drafting desk or something like that, which I got to build all of those different things, you start to understand the care that you need to put into explaining how to build something to other people, which then in turn starts to inform how do you document a building, you know, and that clear, concise idea of being able to explain from the small idea to the big idea or the big idea down to the small idea within a set of documents. And I always thought that that was a good experience on being able to detail out and explain the construction of a building. And and it really, to me, I mean, that kind of helped me do that. You know, I mean, still to this day, I will sit and I'll sketch, you know, like a chair. You know, I've got this uh, great idea for a chair that, you know, if I have access to a wood shop or something like that, um, (laughs) one of these days I might build. Um, But, you know, it it, it still just kind of keeps honing your ideas of how do you explain the construction of things. Yeah. So I, I think it's great. Actually, you know, you know, it's actually interesting about both the, you know, like, like the episodes or the world's most extraordinary houses um, episode and the furniture topic. If you look at those houses and the way that they're built, because they're so detailed down to literally the bolt. I mean, there's a house in on the cliff in Spain that um, has got this undulating roof and it's got these handcrafted zinc shingles, but each of them are capped off with like a red tipped bolt that's exposed that forms this whole pattern over this roof. And every little thought of that detail of how it's laid out and how each of the edges fold over on this roof and, and everything else just shows kind of like the level of care you would get in a furniture maker. It may have been completely coincidental, but talking about both of these different subjects. Yeah, I don't design furniture in my projects, but there are elements of my projects that I will design to that level. And like in my last project, it was a staircase and it was this metal shroud that kind of sits out in front of the building and leads people into it down to the bolt. Like, and, and if that turns out, like I want, like I see it in my mind and like we drew it, I'll go back. I'll go back and visit. (laughs) <laughs> it'll be the thing that brings me back yeah there are definitely uh, a lot of relationships between them for sure I thank Derek for offering that question yep yeah absolutely sure. and so yeah. next time you're uh, yeah next time you're up in the middle of the night and we're not putting you to sleep let us know yeah <laughs> we're probably awake too no you are I'm gonna be asleep <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hey, uh, before we go, we should remind everybody that this episode is sponsored by RCAT, and the music is by System Kid. Rem- um, stop, pause. Subscribe to Arcuspeak on Apple Podcasts, or listen directly from our site at arcuspeakpodcast.com, where you can stream or download every episode and find links to the articles referenced. Follow the show on social media via Twitter and Facebook, or you can even email us. Links to all of these can be found at arcuspeakpodcast.com. Stay subscribed, everyone, and thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Drink more butter. Mmm, butter. Delicious. (laughs) 
Okay. 